0: Welcome to the Career Growth Podcast, where we discuss how university students and graduates can break into the job market and develop their careers. Let's get started with your hosts, Lucy Vinay and Julia.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Career Growth Podcast. I am your host, Julia. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. So on the show, we like to discuss everything related to graduates and university students and everything you need to know in order to get into your first entry-level role and how to be successful. So before getting into it, I'd like to introduce my two lovely co-hosts, Vinay and Lucy. Hi guys. Hi everyone. So today is a very special episode. If you've listened to our past episode, we've been going on and on about a new series that we're doing where we'll be bringing on key players in different industries to talk to them about what they think makes someone successful in their field, how to be successful and some actionable tips they can provide so that you can become successful as well. So to kickstart it off, we decided to go with marketing. As you know, your host loves marketing, so we love to talk about it. So we brought on Max. He is the lead digital strategist at the London-based agency, Be A Bear. So he has 10 years worth of experience in digital. He's worked at a lot of top companies like Bible Group, facebook sony records candy kittens if that list wasn't oppressive enough he's also a co-founder of kits chutney which he quotes as a shameless plugging of his real passion Um, and we think this is actually a perfect fit for our off-topic food chats coming especially at lucy who loves to talk about food and has her own instagram page another shameless plug there so although her linkedin bio playfully claims that he's not yet on the forbes 30 under 30 list We have every reason to believe that his stamp on the list will soon come as he continues to disrupt the marketing industry with his creative, impactful work, and which we will go into more detail throughout the episode. So I know that was a lot, but thank you again for joining us, Max. We are so incredibly excited to have you on the show.
2: But yeah, no, really happy to be here. Thanks, Max. So let's kick things off. So one of the first things everyone will want to know is how did you get into the world of marketing?
3: I still am not very sure. Um honestly, I have no idea how this all happened. I'm fairly certain somewhere along the line, someone must have just said, Jim, you know, don't don't worry about being a lawyer or a doctor or anything. Just go out there and try and get a job in media. I'm joking. Oh, the, the key, I think about I this question, like the first thing that always comes to mind. I had a really, really good English teacher when I was about 13 called Mr. Smith, and he loved advertising. And like language of advertising. And I remember like watching old Levi's adverts in like an English class and we would analyze them. I kind of think that sparked off a little bit of an interest. And at like 16, 17, I was looking up Can Lions winners and stuff like that, which is all like, if anyone doesn't know Can Lions, check them out. It's um like a creativity and advertising marketing kind of awards. So from like quite a, I'd say quite a young age, but like in my early teens, I kind of realized that there was this whole world where, Kind of like there were like marketing rock stars, and there were agencies who were just so cool and did like this. Like BBH is one that I always reference, just doing like incredible work. And then I, I mean, obviously my English teacher did it. I decided that if I was going to go to university, I'd I'd probably do English as well. So I I went and I I did that. And throughout my time at university, just stayed involved in it, anything that was kind of to do with promotions or marketing stuff. I remember. Um, I went to university in Sussex, in uh, so just outside Brighton. And if anyone's ever been to Brighton, also if anyone's going to Brighton, check out Bagel Man. There's one in the station. They're like these bagel shops that absolutely... Have you had one?
2: I've been there and I've had one. I, I had a meeting in Brighton, a couple, uh, like a little while ago, and I've had one from there. I remember that.
3: Okay, so pretty much uh, from what I, I've heard about this podcast, we're just going to talk about food and then a bit of work. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Well, I just lit it up. <laughs> i'm listening <laughs> so bagel man
3: right this i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a little tangent into this is related to marketing so my mate and i uh, ben who is like also kind of been around marketing industry for ages now we we started running club nights whilst at university and we would be up until like we, we'd be sober we'd be up until like five six o'clock in the morning we'd get a couple of hours sleep and then we'd go to the bank the next morning to cash in all the money so like, you quite frankly you'd have like couple of grand there sometimes like off, off of the night before so not safe to keep it in a student house um particularly with two students who just want to spend it all the time but we'd go to bagel man in the morning and get a bagel like quite often so that was like what we did and after a few months of being there like obviously we were running these cup nights and a lot of that came down to like social media promotion that's how we, we got the name out there i found out I, his name was andrew if he ever hears this uh Get in touch because I 'd love to still work with you, but he was like the founder of Bagelman, and I sat down with him and kind of gave him a proposal of what I'd like to do to like help Bagelman. I think that kind of sparked off this thing of just like, okay, I know I want to work in this, what do I have to do to do it and in a roundabout way, I ended up doing something really similar. I had like a contact a family friend's contact who was over at Sony Records, and I managed to get an email and sent it through and I went and had a chat with him and kind of had this idea and then I didn't realize that he was like. He was the head of tv for psycho entertainment i was like 20. i had no idea that that was a role also like by complete coincidence had like a, a contact with like someone who was quite important so his name was his name was nigel so I, like in the same year of me trying to pitch to local businesses in brighton to help them out with like social media stuff i i managed to get someone pretty like influential to think that i was all right and uh and i was uh, was my second year of university and i was asked straight away if i would go and work at sony records so i ended up taking just over a year out of university and went and worked at sony and that was like so that was how yeah how did i get into it i think it was i kind of got into it as a passion and then i got into it as a like because i thought this was cool and I, i liked everything about it and then i just um shamelessly tried to find people who might let me work for them until you know, one of them finally caved in and just thought, "I'm not going to swear." But they thought, "Yeah, to hell with it. I'll let that guy in."
2: <laughs> no, we're huge fans of that because obviously we do say, you know, finding it, if you're finding your very first internship is always very difficult. So start with people that you know and ask around. Go to your local businesses that, like you know, a couple of episodes ago, I was just saying, obviously, but once we do come out of the pandemic, go ask your local coffee shop if they want help with bookkeeping. As an example, it's not like something that a lot of people think about. But if you're an accounting student and you're struggling to do that. Every day where you get your coffee, just go and ask them and then they'll be well, keep asking. And like you did, and perseverance definitely helps. Eventually you will find someone that will take you on.
3: So I think this is like something so so important as well. Because if you're going to somewhere that you go every day and you already like it from a consumer point of view, then you can start to see the false. I, I actually spoke to I spoke to a coffee shop that I used to go into and work from all the time. Um and it was like and I ended up sending over an email and just saying, hey, here's a bunch of ideas that you guys could try and do. Like, and this is just me coming at you from a consumer point of view. I, I don't think I used the word consumer because, again, I was like 20. I didn't know what these words really were. I was like, oh, look. As an as a, like, everyday customer, you know, you're know you right near the station, you should be getting some people outside the station doing promotional stuff, like giving out uh, cards to come in and get like a free coffee or something. And um, I mean, I don't know if they, they ever did them. Uh, Look at that, that actual coffee shop that I'm talking about now has three branches and it's still independently owned. So I mean, they've done something right. Maybe not listening
2: to me was what they did right though. Oh, I'm sure you're being humble here. I'm sure they took on your advice, Max. So by the way, if, uh, check out Max's website. So if anyone that's listening to this, check out Be A Bear, just search them on Google and can see Max's work. So that kind of brings me on to a point. Like so how did you progress in your career to end up being a managing director and the chief digital strategy uh person? Person. <laughs> the <laughs> right <laughs> word. This <laughs> is like where's this <laughs> going? <laughs> and, uh, be a bear.
3: So I I knew that I wanted to do things in a bit of a different way to some of where some of the other places that i would worked so after sony i ended up going back to university to finish my degree i was really lucky because i had i had some i made some great contacts and some guys that i'm still in contact with now and kind of ask for advice every now and then uh through sony they one of them actually recommended it said hey you'll never get a job at facebook or google if you don't have the degree so which was brilliant advice i i went back and I, i decided to do it whilst i was at university i carried on working for a small i did like two or three days a week for a um a technology marketing-based company in london But I, again loved working with those guys but I, I was really conscious of like how do i keep my hand in this whilst i'm studying and obviously doing an english degree none of that stuff i mean reading literature from like the 1940s isn't necessarily going to get you through the door it's a great thing to be able to talk about but on top of that no one really cares that you've read ulysses when it comes down to your uh, your interview situation it's just a nice a nice talking point so i i ended up speaking to a few people like kind of keep my toe in the industry and then um got a job at an agency straight after university loved working there it was relatively small i i went to a talk at a time and it was someone it was like a talk for young people in the record industry that a friend of mine invited me along to i can never remember this chap's name but he was he was like the head of radio one at one point and he said something that that's really stuck with me, and I try and it's something that we've kind of like tried to bring into internships. Any internship that I've been around going forward, we've tried to bring this in. This guy said that he, so he, like I said, he, he was like the commissioner of Radio One. Spent a lot of time when he was in his younger years, and he said, when I had more energy in my early twenties, I would stay late at the studio and I'd find out how all the recording software worked, uh, and then I'd find out how all the hardware worked. And then I'd find out how the bookkeeping works. So so I just would go around and ask people. And the beauty of being like in your early 20s, oh, you're late, actually, I suppose you you can do this at any age. The great thing about not knowing something very well is that you can start to ask questions. Now, I worked at Psycho Entertainment. Someone told me a story about Simon Cowell on this. And this is why I've got so much respect for Simon Cowell as as uh, as a businessman he he did the same thing. He like looked around when he was first doing, I think it was Pop Idol. He wanted to understand how the production budget worked. He wanted to understand how much cameramen got paid. And then obviously went and launched like Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, Asia's Got Talent, like all these different brands off the back of it. And also, I'm not comparing myself to either of these two people, but one thing that I was really driven by is like finding out how things work as you go along. And you don't necessarily need to be I don't think you need to be like a managing director, ask the, someone in accounts, how expenses and like ledgers and all this stuff work. I kind of just had this, this, I don't know what the word is. It's almost like a, a hunger to understand how businesses work. Uh, so when the opportunity came about in 2018 to go and launch be a bear, and there's a, there's been a couple of people who were kind of really pivotal for that. I was quite against the idea of it because it's, it's it's pretty scary. When we when we kind of got into it and started going, it's it's been one of those things that's just have taken a life of its own. And because we've tried to always employ people who are kind of quite curious and quite hungry to learn different areas of business, I think it's is taken on a life of its own.
0: That is something that we've been drilling into each of our podcast episodes: the importance of just like curiosity. And having the confidence to kind of, you know, utilize your network and just really kind of throw yourself in the deep end and, you know, take every learning opportunity on the chin and just really kind of get involved. So I love how you put that into like a practical perspective. I think our listeners will really kind of resonate with that.
3: There's something that we we do with, and this is something I had in place from a couple of different companies, but we, we've been really conscious of with interns who come in to be a bear is we try and set them a project. And I always try and make it a project. that's got nothing to do with what they're doing day to day at the be bear, so I'm not going to say any names, but a, an intern from capital placement with us at the moment has spent like six weeks reading uh, books about It's it's all around like the invisibility of brands and put together a presentation. Now, this isn't directly applicable to the stuff that that intern's working on. It's just opening up a whole different world of something. And as a company, we don't have the time to, like every day, I don't have the time to go and do that sort of research. I wish I did, but... Having other people who come in with like different ideas—that's what makes it. I, th- I think that's something that's like so valuable early in their career, and that's what makes it exciting to see these people and like what they're going to go on and do
2: next. So actually, that brings me on to a point: like, how has marketing changed since like your days at Sony to where you are today? So can you just kind of like walk us through the evolution in marketing over the years, at least from your perspective? <laughs>
3: Entry level jobs get paid more, and senior jobs get paid less. That's what I've realized over the last ten. Months. That's the part. That, yeah,
0: yeah,
3: it's so yeah. amazing. It's crazy. Also, like, just like I, I, I was talking as I was talking to a colleague the other day, who has been has been a media owner for years, and he was like, I can't believe what entry level jobs are like now. When I signed I got I was on fourteen grand, and I was just like, wow. And that was like a that was a like pretty pretty hefty job at the time Uh, so yeah the world's definitely changed um i think the the big the big change in marketing we've seen is digital obviously um it's a bit of a no-brainer over the last yeah over my kind of like time there uh it's funny going from being in the digital team of three people to being at like or, or now i think i can probably list off 50 different digital agencies who all do different specialisms there's a lot more focus on niche areas within digital as well. Like we we use this phrase quite a lot about uh, T-shaped marketers. Just for context, it's like people who kind of broadly cover the board of, of marketing, but they might be very deep in one area. So for example, within digital, you might be like a fantastic social media strategist. You know, you can like do a little bit of Google ads, a bit of YouTube, a little bit of uh, email, but really you focus on that section. Skills and I suppose like topics like uh, cro and UX, particularly in digital so that's conversion rate optimization and uh, user experience that's that's like a whole category in its own right and an area my colleague joe reeve is, is kind of like stepping into because it's 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 something that with the advancement of analytics the increase of people online the increase of people on mobiles like obviously we're all like we're recording this now on zoom <laughs> like that's mm. good we're literally fully living digital lives right now so all the analytics and stuff you can fit around it like you, we just didn't i don't think that the availability of data was there 10 years ago and that's that's been such a key thing in marketing in my opinion
1: interesting because i haven't really heard of t-shaped marketers but i've heard of full stack marketers so just to understand the differences between the two of them so you're saying a t-shaped marketer is someone who can do dabble in a couple of different areas but has one kind of specialty how would you is that at all different from a full stack marketer are they more of a jack of all trades or are they pretty similar just a different yeah
3: i think i think the uh the kind of the concept behind t-shaped is that someone is really specifically looking at one yeah like one key area so let's take let's take like digital advertising as an example people can run like you might have someone who can run youtube google paid social uh tiktok pinterest campaigns i always use the analogy with my team um that it's it's kind of like getting i don't know how much diy everyone does but you know when you get your your drill bit set out that there's, there's of nodding going on so when you get like the drill bits out it's the difference between using like an hss drill or a wood drill or a masonry drill essentially you're picking a hole in something and that's obviously with that with advertising we're essentially trying to get a message out there it's just that all of those platforms might work in a slightly different way now within that kind of realm you might have someone who is just really really hot at facebook advertising and can kind of use the facebook business manager platform actually shameless plug for not a shame not a shameless plug. a really good plug for anyone who's interested in getting into facebook advertising uh, and at kind of any level um facebook do a course called blueprint where you can like learn all these different modules which is great it's totally free just google facebook blueprint and it will uh, it will show up but yeah so you, you might find people who are like really really good at using facebook business manager and can do some really complex and advanced stuff on there So, that changes that whole dynamic. So, they might, there are roles in bigger agencies where you might go to like just become a paid social exec. Your job is really just to run Facebook and Instagram advertising. And then you could be like head of paid social within that. You're still sitting underneath the digital advertising where you would probably have someone who you develop as more full stack above that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, do you think there will be more of an increase of wanting people to be more of a T shaped marketer versus a full stack marketer?
3: it's i think it's something that kind of comes within career timelines i think that there's there's areas of it like there's limitations to those areas some of my colleagues at the moment so we we set like development goals every three months at be a bear and try and get people to kind of like deep dive into an area they want to learn more and more about and there's certain um certain colleagues of mine who maybe a few months ago wanted to kind of like dabble a bit more in creative and now they're kind of trying to you know upskill themselves in kind of like data and analytics so some people do want to kind of like get the more holistic view and and i think that kind of comes down to them is it might be a limitation if any of them wanted to go and work somewhere where they were just going down the route of uh, just youtube like a good, great example actually uh, we've we've been interviewing at the moment for a youtube channel manager and some of the people i've spoken to have been not have have struggled to get jobs in industries where uh, in companies where they're not looking for youtube specific experience that obviously has been a bit that's a bit of an issue if you spent the last five years just working on youtube channels you know everything about youtube but if i gave you google analytics you might not know about google analytics yet
2: it's one of those kind of issues that a lot of candidates tend to have when they're specialized, especially very early on in their career as well, because you kind of miss out on the breadth and you just go really deep into one area too early in your career. And that, that's kind of like a constant problem that I hear a lot about from candidates because like, they do very specialized masters, even without any kind of previous experience. So they kind of go from like an undergrad degree in marketing to a very specialized master's degree. And then they come out and they just like, you essentially get put in a box. And it just becomes very difficult to break up. So I get what you're trying to say, Max. That's a really good point.
1: So I'm going to dial it back to people who are kind of like, Julia, T marketers, full stack, what? So I'm going to dial it all the way back to the, the beginning. And I love to ask people this question, depending on the industry, but to you and based on your opinion, what makes a great marketer in 2021? And how has this changed since
3: 2020? Honestly, um, I think <laughs> 2020 was a weird year. 2021 has not been much easier. I think that there's 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 going to be two things this year that are going to really stand out for good mark like good marketing people. Firstly, is reactivity. So like, I'm fully on board, and I understand that brands and businesses have to have very long sign-off processes on content and creatives and and uh, campaigns. But in 2021 so far, TikTok, Instagram Reels. Uh, it's even Instagram stories like looking at quick disposable content so people like the best people need to be willing to be reactive and also uh, the other side which I think is an ongoing thing for being a good marketer is to not take anything too personally like just because you you take an idea to the table and it's it's shunned I, I had this conversation with another colleague this morning where I've set the task of coming up with bad ideas because at least a bad idea is an idea in this situation like it's kind of okay to just just say some things and, and see what's going to work yeah there's there's kind of two key things that stand out in 2021 for me so far so that sea shanty meme that has gone like mental no one would have expected that I mean obviously no one expected COVID last year but the other part of that is a uh, really really current um, there's a PR company called Frank who look after Heinz and Weetabix I don't know has anyone has everyone seen this oh
2: yeah, yeah. we actually posted this on our Slack channel yesterday.
3: Yeah, so two days ago, <laughs> they came out with this thing of like Heinz baked beans over Weetapix. And I know capital placement, like you guys do a bit of a, there's probably a bit of an international thing so people might not know what Weetapix are or Heinz baked beans. In short, it's stuff that does not go together very well, but it's also brilliant. Now, it's that kind of like reactive and just amusing content where like someone must have gone, like, what if we do, what What happened if we pick, uh A tin of baked beans in tomato sauce over a dry breakfast biscuit and someone's just going yeah yeah that'd be quite funny let's do it so i think like the the best marketers in 2021 are going to be the people who are
2: a little bit brave and just you know aren't scared of bad ideas that's a really good example because pretty much everyone pitched in with their thoughts on that one and it's great to see all the brands collaborate it's kind of gone viral and people i know i love that and uh, it's just the the breadth of Different companies, and I'm just looking at it on my screen, my other screen here. It's just so hilarious. Specsavers, spec-savers like the the
3: opticians, they they've done a picture of like a pair of glasses with baked beans poured over it. Like, how you just make that happen? And I think um, I think Frank P R is like an incredible company. Um, big. I mean, I've been a fan of like some of their work over the last few years as well. So.
1: Yeah, I think another one that went viral is a uh, if you remember a few weeks back from the presidential campaign, the Bernie Bernie Sanders you oh, yeah, yeah the yeah. chair. Yeah, so I was listening to um a, a presentation held by Carrie Rose from the founder of like the Rise Up to Seven, or and she said that she actually made one of the viral ones where she basically took an IKEA looking photo and then put the chair and then that Bernie Sanders was on and then named the chair and pretend it was an IKEA ad and it went viral. And it like brought yeah. attention to like her company and also Ikea as well. And Ikea not, had nothing to do with it and it was clearly a fake ad, but it was all about being responsive and just being funny. And it just, and in Bernie Sanders themselves, they ended up selling shirts and it went viral. It was nuts how fast social media can work.
3: Yeah, and, and we're all, I mean, post COVID, like everyone's, well, not post, during COVID, everyone's online so much more. So yeah, great, it's a great time to, to put silly ideas out there and see what happens.
1: What do you look for in an entry-level marketer? If someone's applying for your company wants to, is just graduated, maybe doesn't have a degree in marketing, maybe does. What what do you look for when it comes to hiring?
3: So we have a question on most of our yeah, is on all our job descriptions, no matter what level. I have two. I have two questions that we ask people. So firstly, is in their cover letter, talk about a campaign that you really care about. Like when you're entry level, the reality is you've not got a hell of a lot of experience in this. I, I don't necessarily want you to try and like say hey do you know what i i ran a uh a lemonade stand at a country fair sold loads because we put up a blue poster rather than actually if you, if you did say you sold more because you a you split test the posters you use then i'm in you're like you you've got a full-time job straight away mm-hmm. um but if you if you haven't split test posters, like that like, i think if you're if you're coming in entry level Tell us about stuff that you really care about. Because that shows like a bit of a passion and, and interest in the industry. The other question, and we, we have like five set interview questions for everyone. And my favorite one to ask people is what do you want to do when you grow up? And it's it's one of those questions that I feel like the most interesting answers I've had are the people that you you want to carry on having a conversation with. And you just go so off topic when you ask that question. And it's one of those things that for entry-level marketers, like, you want someone who's gonna have a little bit of confidence and a bit of convi- conviction to like their own ideas. They may not have the skill set to to pitch it to clients yet and they may not have like the ability to kind of get messages out there yet. if they if they've got confidence in their own ideas, then they're exactly the sort of people that we want coming through our doors.
1: That's actually really cool. It's a good like thing to highlight as far as in the confidence because I've come across a lot of beginning marketers. and one of the things they often say is, you know, I struggle with my confidence and there's also so many marketers how do i like compete against people who are running social media pages all about their marketing like how do i kind of differentiate myself in a world that seems quite saturated so kind of moving into the question of that one it's a little bit off topic what would be your advice to those who are trying to differentiate themselves in a world that's quite competitive especially at the very very beginning when you're all pretty much at an equal playing field
3: i think that the things that have stood out to me from my early stage. applications people who cut like write blogs or or have like twitter feeds definitely counts the part why i said twitter like an american um, so no disrespect no <laughs>
1: it's okay they do it all the time it's fine yeah.
3: when they've got like, twitter feeds going yeah i think so that's the question the best standout entry-level applications have been people with twitter feeds blogs maybe it's it's like they've just kept a, a track on things on linkedin or they've even got their own kind of portfolio somewhere of ideas around marketing or campaigns that they wanted to review they used to or it's still running there's a twitter feed called one minute briefs which for creatives is is great and i think for people particularly i, I know a load of uh, creatives who when they're out of work they just do stuff on one minute briefs because it's a nice way to kind of keep involved with stuff really what we always look for is just then the point of difference is people who are coming in and they've got some fresh ideas. Like I said, in our in our question on our job descriptions, tell us about campaigns you're interested in. The people who come back, and if they if they say, Hey, look, I really like the Coca-Cola campaign, that's great. If someone came back to me and said, Oh, there's this like beer campaign for this small brand, I think it's fantastic. I want to hear more about that campaign. Like we all know the share a code campaign. Yeah, it's brilliant. Or okay, yeah, McDonald's with I'm loving it. Like that's that's great cool, I can go online and Google great marketing campaigns and those two will be in there. But if you start telling me like niche little ones, I'm fully in, I want to hear what they're talking about.
2: Definitely. Um, that's actually one of the things that we actually ask for like marketing related interviews. It's just like name a brand that you admire and why. And the people that tend to say Apple coke I'm just like, let <laughs> <next-handed> me <laughs> it, please. Because like, it's just so obvious and it's just like, Pretty vanilla as, as far as like an answer goes. So I get what you mean, Max. I, I have a quite... to add as well.
3: And this, is, this might just be me. Please, 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 anyone who is doing a CV, put it in a PDF. It's mm-hmm. so simple. But when I get a CV through in Word and, it, and the formatting's gone off, and I'm just like, there isn't, this is going to take. There's too much foundation work there that, that you just need to just get it in a nice PDF. Save as PDF, easiest thing you can do.
2: Can I come up with a other side of the coin argument for that? Because we always give two versions of CV because you know the new application tracking systems, the ATSs, they're not able to pick up PDFs easily. So if you're applying to a big firm and you kind of know that they're using an application, tracking system, which to be honest, vast majority of candidates don't know entry, so they even no. know that their application don't get seen by a human. They don't pick up PDFs too well. So we usually say if you're applying to a big company, go with the word doc. But if you know it's a human reading it, send a PDF because it's a lot easier to open, et cetera, and the formatting is a lot easier. So whenever we do a CV edit, we always give two versions. So thanks for that, Max, but no, I, I 100% agree. Okay, yeah, delete, delete what I said, don't send a PDF. No, 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 no it makes sense. It, it 100% makes sense, but this is, comes down to like candidates doing research on the firm and knowing yeah. who's going to be reading or what their process looks like. So if you're applying to like, you know, some of the big, like, you know, if you're applying to Apple, there's no way your CV is getting read by a human the first time when you make that application. It goes straight into an ATS system, and it gets screened out. So, or screened in, whatever, whichever way it goes. So just for a quick point on that one, because there was actually quite an interesting LinkedIn post about this a couple of days ago that actually was on the featured list talking about the ATS systems. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I,
3: will, I will check it out and I will stop shunning people if they send me Word docs.
0: You're listening to the Career Growth Podcast. Do you have a question for one of our hosts? Send us an email at podcast at capital-placement.com.
2: Do you prefer very creative looking CVs, which are kind of, you know, has lots of colors, kind of really cool design, versus a very standard CV design where you kind of got the name, education, work experience, and like your skill set at the bottom?
3: so i I genuinely have such mixed views on creative cvs my first cv that i started sending out to agencies had a cover letter with a square cut out so you could see the cv behind it and it was two pieces of really nice card printed together and i sent it recorded delivery to some agencies and never heard back from any of them yeah look where i am now guys (laughs) but i think that i think that certain certain elements of creativity on cv are Are brilliant. I've seen I saw CV yesterday where it had all of the hobbies as emojis and it had like a coloured background. And to be honest, it was a little bit of almost like design overkill. So I think that there's a way. What we always look for is people who can communicate clearly and efficiently. What's that? Is it a Mark Twain quote, which is something like "I would have written a a shorter letter, but I didn't have time" or something like that? It's like take your time to get it like in a clear, concise way. And also remember that if you are applying for entry-level jobs, it's very likely that there is going to be quite a high number of other candidates on this. So our average kind of roles, when we put them up on LinkedIn for a week, we kind of get around the 100 applicant mark. So do enough to stand out. I would say choose fonts that aren't Arial or Times New Roman, but don't necessarily think that you need to have a colored background and uh, 15 photos of you at your graduation or or emojis on there.
1: I think it's actually super important because uh, everyone is... You know, it's kind of like being flashy enough to catch their attention. Because Everyone's like, you gotta catch their attention. There's so many competitors. Like you gotta do what it takes for them to like look at your CV. But like when you're saying that it's right, sometimes you can be a slight overkill and then they it just kind of takes away what you were trying to originally pitch in the first place. So I think that's especially important for creative sides of marketing where they're trying to catch your attention but may slightly go over, which leads me to an interesting question. And I've heard debate on this do you require portfolios or do you think that entry levels like marketers should have a portfolio Uh,
3: creative I would expect someone to have some kind of portfolio I don't think you necessarily need it also one of the reasons that we set these projects for our interns is so that they walk away with something that they could they could always show as like some some creative and marketing thinking if they were asked for it in a later job like I think it's super important that anyone does but I don't necessarily think that yeah, i don't necessarily think you need a portfolio in a small kind of like what well, definitely in like sme world but yeah if, if you were going into if you wanted to apply for like a, a really creative based role go in there with some ideas and maybe have a look through some of that uh, that agency's clients first let's just say they they looked after Heinz and Weetabix maybe go in with a few ideas around that follow-up when people send follow-ups after an interview and say hey, I've had an actual further thought about this. Like, I love that when I get that email because she just like, this person's interested. They know what they're talking about or oh, that they, they want to know what they're talking about. And like, they, they're getting some ideas on paper. Let's give
2: them a chance.
1: All right. That kind of continues with the same debate. I keep hearing it's like up and down. Yeah. It's everyone, it's like it's, it's... one
2: half a dozen of the other, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? If you have a portfolio, then make a decision whether to send it or not. So just have one anyway, that's what I usually say to creatives, create one anyway. And then if you're if you're into your it, it's there to give straight away. If you don't have it, then you kind of have to rush in and put something together. And if you send it a week later, it just doesn't really look too good. So if you're in that creative space, especially if you studied a creative degree, you should have a portfolio at the end of that. Just make sure it's visually appealing. Just put it together. Have it ready. If they ask, it, give it straight away.
1: I agree. I think it's also a good way to like, remember what you've done as well. It's just like having a master CV um, in the way that Vinay is always pitching about. It's a good thing to be like, oh yeah, I did do that. Okay, cool. Uh, especially in entry level when you're getting so intimidated by what they're asking for. But kind of leading to my last question before, cause I know Lucy has a ton she'd like to ask you. Since you have been in the like in-house marketing as well as the agency agency side of marketing, what does the career career progression look like uh, for those in each one of these and how do they differ?
3: Okay, brutally honest if you go and work in-house in my experience and experience of colleagues and friends you will earn loads more money and you will be so much more bored if you work in agencies you'll be so much more fulfilled clients will annoy you this is this is like a fact of agencies and i'm really sorry that we're talking about this in 2021 when pubs are closed because one of the massive advantages of working in an agency is that you get to go to the pub sometimes with your colleagues and let off steam about like how frustrating that brief was or how annoying that meeting was. And that's just like, there's like, you're in the trenches with these guys. It's a real kind of like, there's there's such a bond with everyone else in it. Um, I remember my kind of first proper agency job, Fridays, like that was it. Five, five thirty on a Friday, we'd go over to a pub, we'd have like a really good laugh, you'd be there for a couple of hours. And they some of those people became, like, I actually met my wife through someone in that group. Like they, they became like family. Like, yeah, they became like family. <laughs> Say it with your chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it changes when you're in-house at brand on brand side because you do have a little bit more limitation to what you're able, able to do. There, there are, there are going to be, I'm not going to lie, there are going to be brands. Like if you went and worked for like a, a super brand, let's say like Heineken, for example, it's going to be a totally different experience to going to a, like a peanut butter brand or a, I'm trying to think of like another, another kind of small, small industry kind of product. But yeah, I... I would suggest to people to go and work in agency. And I'd suggest if you're really good to apply to be a bear, (laughs) uh, uh, you will get paid. But yeah, otherwise, otherwise I would say, if you, if you just want, if you want to go for the money, go, go to the big ones. The progression path though is interesting. I know a lot of people who have bounced onto both sides of it. And I think that that's, that is kind of something that within the marketing, if you look at it as an industry, marketing, advertising, media, moving around tends to be the way or was traditionally the way to kind of get promoted. I think there's a lot more opportunity now for people to like upskill themselves in jobs and take on more areas of that. So um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to progress by moving. But if you stay put and you really try and like bite off more than you can chew constantly, maybe that is a good way to, to move up the ladder internally as well.
1: I feel like that provides like a lot of insight for a lot of people. <laughs> in general, a lot of like entry mm-hmm. marks are just like, do what I like. Passion, do I want money? It's <laughs> just like way oh, yeah. between the two. I, uh,
3: I'm still weighing up the two myself. I can never work out which one I want.
1: I think it just depends on the day, to be honest. The day yeah. and the hour, the minute, the client that you get, and then it just it just fluctuates.
3: I like some days I wake up and I'm like, I would love to work for a like one of those massive corporations and just be a number, but know that I could get like a really steady salary and I don't know, like 45 days holiday a year and probably disappear into the fold. No one could hear about me. But then other days, <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm like on the base of moving forward with like this brand that I genuinely really, like some of the brands you work on an agency side are great because you really believe in the products as well.
1: Yeah, I understand that. Well, kind of now go into the more technical things, well, I guess. So I'm going to move this to Lucy because she has a lot, of, a lot of questions regarding the key skills and tools and the resources. So start racking your brain about names here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so obviously, a lot of our listeners, they are kind of entry level and kind of important on this podcast that we do like to, to help them understand kind of the key skills, like t- tools and resources that they really need to kind of invest in to give them the best chance um, in the competitive market. And I know you touched up earlier on some of the key tech and data skills already needed to keep up with, especially the development of technology in twenty. 21, obviously everything's online but what are the key skills do you think are crucial for marketers in 2021 and beyond
3: so skill wise i think organization is going to be a massive it is just something massively like project management on anything to do with marketing it's it, they're kind of like symbiotic you, you need to have some level of project management um there's a lot of tools there's like a asana which we use there's monday uh which are all good project management tools that i think if someone has like an idea of how to use them, like if you're at university and you're working on a project with some other people, you might want to try and use them. So I think like obviously having some kind of experience of using these project management tools is really good. There's there's two other things that I think are massively important. Well, one other thing I think is really important, which is presentation software. Now, if you can use Keynote, I am your biggest fan. I use Keynote for everything. Like, I put a keynote together to explain to my wife, why we should have got a puppy. Um, I regret that because I'm now watching the puppy jumping up at the side. She's not a puppy, She's two, but <laughs> if, if people have like experience of using it, it's always a massive help. Uh, we try and push people to use it quite quickly. Cause I think it's, it's a good way to communicate your ideas. If there's any kind of experience of using things like Excel, Simple things like pivot. I say simple things. Simple things for some people like pivot tables are really, really beneficial because you want to be able to communicate data clearly. So I suppose keynote and uh, an Excel come into this kind of like how to understand the analytics and data side. And then in terms of just like stuff that people can do, I mentioned earlier Facebook Blueprint, which is a really good online resource to learn how Facebook advertising works. Google have something similar called Skillshop, which is brilliant. It's a lot of our team do it. Another thing that we try and get everyone to do when they first start is to do the Google Analytics power user course, which is like out of the box, super simple. It just shows you, it gives you a demo account on Google Analytics and shows you how to understand Google Analytics. Like those kinds of things, once you understand it, it goes back to what I was saying about like how to use different drill bits. And analytics software is an analytics software. When you know like what numbers you're looking for, it's as simple as that.
0: No, it's really important. And we do talk about that a lot on our podcast, kind of, you know, again, bringing in your earlier con- kind of conversation about curiosity and how important it is to really kind of just throw yourself in the deep end and out of your comfort zone, really. There's a lot of kind of skills that you definitely need to to bring on board that's not directly linked to what you want to do as well. But yeah, those are really good for obviously marketing focused things. So building on that question, what are the key skills or requirements often overlooked or not taught at university that students should pay attention to and develop themselves
3: i think the uh, I, I do think that it's the time spent on platforms like facebook google analytics uh, google advertising there's it feels like there's always a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's very theoretical at university which is which is brilliant and it's great to have that kind of that way of thinking as the dog she agrees fully agrees <laughs> with this point. so yeah, they would be, they would be things that whenever we get kind of very fresh, like graduates, interns, entry level people, it's, that's the stuff that they, they've they not got around to using yet.
0: Cool. That makes a lot of sense. And as we're on the topic of kind of social media, I think it's kind of very relevant at the moment to kind of ask this question, how do you feel about influencer marketing?
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I think influence marketing. My my thoughts on influence marketing is so mixed over the years, and I I've worked with lots of influencers. Um, so one of the projects I did at Sony was around influencers. At Candy Kittens, we worked with loads of influencers. We were practically founded by uh well Jamie Lang, who is uh, obviously a TV personality and and influencer kind of. Also, top bloke, like really, really nice guy. So buy candykins, And please, can anyone at Candy send me some more because I'm totally out at the moment.
2: Let me see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes four of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ed.
3: I'm going, to, I'm going to post this on LinkedIn and uh, Ed William, you better send us some? I think that the influencer kind of bubble is is only going to burst soon. Loads of people who carry on coming in and going, oh, we need to focus on our influence campaign. We need to at our influence campaign. It's one part of your campaign. Like treat it as a channel in the same way you treat your Facebook ads, in the same way you treat your your tv spots in the same way you're talking about i don't know like a, a newspaper placement like you cannot just pit everything onto influencers and expect your influence strategy to to grow a business like not every business is Gymshark. shark unfortunately we're not all going to sit there and get like super great returns on them from the chutney side of things we've given chutney out to people before they've posted photos we've had no sales off it and then the photos look great, it's brilliant. Yeah, we're getting seen, but we've never we don't get traffic off those things. Um, so we're very conscious. I, I know at be a bear I'm always very conscious of it. I've got colleagues who would probably say otherwise. Yeah, be be cautious of putting too much focus on just influencer marketing, in my opinion.
1: Why should a recent graduate consider a career in marketing?
3: I think the recent graduates should consider careers in marketing because it combines creativity, science, analytical thinking and can be really 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 fulfilling i also think that a lot of the entrepreneurs and business owners that i've seen that i think are like amazing and met over my my career and even people i to, so many of them had a grounding in marketing uh, in marketing and that's something like if, if you're fresh out of of uni school college like whatever you're doing and you want to learn how businesses work like marketing is always that set. It, to me, it's always been like a pretty central function of it. Unless you're like unless you're dead set on being an accountant or a lawyer, I think it's a it's a really good place to kind of like learn how businesses work and how
2: they interact with
3: their consumers.
2: Even they need to market their services. So like even lawyers and accountants, they need so it's one of those things like where I speak to a lot of the accounting agents they're like, Do you know any good marketers that focus in the accounting industry as an mm. example? Because I think they're so kind of niche in their area that they don't realize how to run a business. So even like, you know, just to kind of build on Max's point, it's such a crucial function that any business could do with uh, people that understand marketing, or at least at a basic level. So that's interesting. But on the other side of the coin, Max, so why should graduates stay away from a career in marketing? Because they want to get paid. <laughs> like, <laughs> but marketing's getting a lot better. It's interesting because like, you know, obviously I think, Maybe like 10 years ago, marketing was really badly paid, like yeah. internships, et cetera. But I think there's been, especially in the last couple of years, there's been quite a big change. There has been, as you, you know, we talked about this off topic where, off, off, uh, before we start recording rather, where we're talking about how marketing is kind of really well paid now. You know, you can work at some of these top agencies and the salaries can compete with the big four uh, entry level. If you start at big four, the jobs that start at, like, you know, Mid to late 20s thousands a year, and a lot of marketing agencies are matching if not beating that for entry level roles. So uh, interesting. So say carry on. The reason,
3: yeah, the reason to kind of like try and stay away from it, uh, honestly, if it's if if we, if we do take the, I think that I'm, I'm kind of semi joking about the paving. Like obviously, it's not going to be the same kind of career as if you go into. Like, I had mates who who have grown up in in their finance in finance companies and they are relatively senior and they are doing very very well salary wise in a relatively short period of time now the marketing industry or particularly in the UK i don't think i think there's the volume of jobs and the amount of people it takes to do that work uh, versus what you might get in like a different like a financial or a law or accounting or something like that yeah there's there's just there's, there's different salaries on offer the other reason i think people should stay away from agency side marketing specifically is it can be really stressful. It can be, like, you, you can get to the point that you're really invested in the project and it doesn't go to plan and people do want to put things in the way Like I'm not going to say it's not for, like, the emotionally unhardened or anything. Like, I think anyone, anyone will be able to say We're not, like, a, yeah, we're not doing, we're not saving lives. Um, but it can be, I know, I'm not ashamed to say this at all. Earlier in my career, I remember going home crying at times, and I've always thought that I could, like, I'm pretty thick-skinned, I could take, take quite a lot, but there were times where it's just, it's real, shed load of stuff, and the industry, and I think there's a lot of small agencies out there, I think, I try and think we're one of them as well, are putting so much more focus on, like, that people being happy, so we have a rule that be a bearer of, like, don't work with dicks, so we just don't work with people who are really horrible, and you can kind of tell by, like, the third or fourth call before you start working with someone if they're going to be like that, we've walked away from projects in the past. Because the you, the chemistry has just not been right with those people, so the the industry is definitely getting a hell of a lot better. But it's it's probably not like the the super safe thing that like your uh, your mum and dad would be happy. You're not you're not going to be a lawyer, or a doctor, or a, uh, an
2: accountant. I, I can't, you know, I agree with you 100%. Max. Uh Great. Uh, Julia, do you want to read out the dilemma
1: I am currently in my final year of degree studying marketing and I have been getting great grades, but I feel really unprepared for a career in marketing. My university has been great at teaching me the theoretical side of marketing, but I have not had the chance to really run any paid ads on social media slash search platforms and learn that side of marketing. I feel like this is an area a lot of employers are going to focus on and expect from a recent marketing graduate. What can I do?
3: If I was talking directly to this person, I'd say, be honest about it. Put in your CV, put it in your cover letter. Just say, I'm applying for this job because I want to do this and it's something that I've not had the ability to do. Again, if we were, if we were giving them enough notice, I'd say, get on Facebook Blueprint, get on, get on Google, uh, Google Skillshop and learn like the basis of some of this stuff uh, because the, an employer would definitely take, light, uh, take kindly to that. I know if they were applying to us and they said, we've not, I've not had enough experience doing this. I know it's something you're looking for in your role. I would be so much more open to saying to that person, Hey, I'll tell you what, why do not you guys go and have a look at some of these courses and tell me what you think of them. And then we'll catch up in a week. Like we'd be more than happy to put a meeting back with someone by a few days. If they were, if they, if they approached us and they were really honest about wanting to look at it. And I think it, it depends again, as we mentioned, like the kind of company you're applying to, if you're applying to a, a massive agency, unfortunately you probably won't get that same kind of service if you're applying to independents or small agencies most of the people in this are pretty nice people uh and they're, they're quite supportive of getting fresh new talent in so yeah be honest with them up front
0: and i'm just going to add on that this is literally what i love about the marketing mindset you know it's okay to not be perfect and obviously you will kind of be on that learning journey and i think there's a lot of pressure on. The current kind of students and in graduate market to be this you know it's it's unrealistic the entry kind of expectations and you know I saw a meme the other day and it's about like the entry level expectation it, it was about like I think that was about 24 year olds yeah. and we're like trying to get into a job
3: because that's, that's... like yeah. 10 years experience <laughs> like when yeah. you're at university with 10 years experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I I nearly it, put that on LinkedIn which yeah, is part of LinkedIn.
0: It's so true. And I just think like, you know, you just, as long as you're passionate, you're confident, you show you've got like the willingness to learn and you're dedicated. That is a really important kind of area to be focused on. But yeah, so I think it's, it's very, very stressful times for the current kind of student and graduate market, but that's what we're here for, to help. Thanks. Um,
2: One little bonus question, which is off grip and feel free to say no to this, but I was going to ask Max, any tip to a 21-year-old Max? if he was graduating in this year in the pandemic?
3: <laughs> what what would I say to 21-year-old Max? I would say to 21-year-old Max, I'll tell you what, mate, uh, you know all your friends who are doing finance and have nice big houses in the country and like cool flats in the city by the time they're 30, do what they're doing. No, I think I would say to, I would say to 21-year-old Max, the one thing I'd say is like, the thing that has taken me 10 years to understand, like, we are not saving lives. Okay, compared to what some, and not to too virtuous and stuff, but the people like the doctors, the nurses, policemen, all those people over the last year have gone through. And we've been sitting here behind our laptops, drinking our coffees with our own milks, <laughs> like, you know, just churning through social ads. Like you're not saving lives, absolutely fine. And if if 21 year old me graduated the pandemic, I'd say it's 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 all right to have a little bit of time to work out what you want to do and find a company that you actually want to work for as well. Don't don't just go with it because
2: it's the job. Great, great advice. Thanks, Max. I think that's everything from us. I think we've tortured you for the last kind of hour <laughs> and fifteen minutes, that's and it. I think it's time to <laughs> let you go. But thank you so much, Max, for joining us and for all your kind of honest advice for all the candidates or anyone listening to this, rather. So uh, thank you on behalf of Julia and myself.
3: Um, I hope it was helpful. Oh, awesome! Thank you very much, guys.
1: Thanks.
0: Thank you. Take care, you Max.
3: Okay. Bye. Bye.
1: All right. So I hope you enjoyed our episode with Max. It was a ton of fun for us to definitely get his honest opinion into the world of marketing. And hopefully if you haven't already Googled some of the key resources that he mentioned, we will also share them in our show notes onto our website. Um, And also you can check the Capital Placement website here in a few weeks. It will also have a very specific page dedicated to our podcast. And until then stay tuned for our next episode, we will be covering the business development industry with a very cool founder. Her name is Lucia. She heads a business development school and we're so excited to bring her on and pretty much do the same thing. Grow them, find out what you need to know, get down to the truth and help you grow. So until then, have a good one. Bye.
0: That's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a review and subscribe. Do you know someone who is ready to launch out and get started on their career? Share this podcast. You can connect with us more on social media at the Career Growth Podcast. See you in the next episode.